You are listening to an Elam Christian Center podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged, and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Thanks, Leeds. <laughs> hey, it's so good to be here this morning and be able to bring uh, another part of our series. We're looking at the 10, the 10 commandments that God gave us, uh, the way that we would live and love one another. Uh, so often we can look at these Ten Commandments and go, oh God, a God of rules and regulations and restrictions. But I think it's the complete opposite. I think God wants us to thrive and flourish in life. And when he gives us guidelines for living, it's because he loves us and he wants us to truly flourish. And when we get this and when we understand these and why he gave these commandments to us, it helps us to, number one, love God. That's what the first four commandments are all about. The next six commandments are all about the way we love people. Jesus summed it all up. He says, if you want to know, if you want to know how all of this works together, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. If we get that right, he says, all the law of the prophets, every other law falls into place when we understand that. And so this is what the heart of the series is all about, loving God, loving people. And so today we look at the sixth commandment, which reads, you shall not murder. And everyone goes, whew. Well, most people will go, that's good. That's good. Haven't murdered anyone yet. Maybe we've breathed it out in threats and violence, and but, but maybe we've uh, thought about it. Maybe we've entertained that thought in our heart. And I want to frame this message today as Jesus addressed this particular commandment. Because Jesus tackled, tackled murder in a more personal way to all of us. He addressed the issue of our heart. Matthew 5, 21 to 22 says, You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, You shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says you fool will be in danger of the fire of hell. Those are strong words. Strong, strong words to, to listen to. Would you pray with me? Because this is a tough one to preach. It's a hard one for us to fully grasp and understand what it means to, to live out the fullness of this commandment. Let's pray together. Father, thank you. Thank you for this time we get to share together. Thank you for your word that leads and guides and directs us. Lord, your word is useful for training, correcting, rebuking, and righteousness. God, I pray that uh, your word would go into our hearts. We'll deal with the things that are out of line. Bring us back into alignment with your truth and what you would say about the condition of our heart. God, we thank you for your grace, your mercy. We thank you that you don't come with judgment and condemnation. But God, you come with grace and mercy for those who would respond. So God, I pray our hearts would be ready to respond to you as you speak to us. That we would align ourselves with you and your truth today. In Jesus' name, amen. Though we recognize all of us, most of us would recognize that murder is wrong. If we watch TV, movies, and even the news, it's likely that we've consumed hundreds, if not thousands of murders on television and media throughout our lifetime. If you watch Rambo, Terminator, Braveheart, there's, there's just hundreds of body counts just in those movies alone. In fact, we've become so desensitized to the, the act of murder Sometimes blurring, the, blurring between reality and fiction becomes harder and harder to understand which is which. 
I remember the first time I, I saw, about 15 years ago, I saw a news clip where someone was, it showed somebody dying, someone being murdered. And, and you didn't see all the graphic detail of it, but you saw the moment when someone's life was taken. And I was rocked. Like I'd never seen that before. And, and, and I, I couldn't believe that I was witnessing the end of somebody's life. I hate to say, but 15 years on, it doesn't shock me like it did before because we've become so desensitized to this. And the blurring of the, 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 the way movies are portrayed nowadays, almost glorifying this, this act of murder. But before we approach the topic of murder, and I'm actually not even going to go there today specifically because most of us would agree that to murder someone is wrong, but at the heart of it, it's all about life, choosing life rather than death. See, all life is from God. We read in Acts 17, 28, for in him we live and move and have our being, our very life. The essence of life is a gift from God. First couple of chapters in the Bible we, we looked at last week, God creates animals and plants, creates all of creation and his best creation, humanity. It says here in Genesis 2, 7, Then the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, as we sung today. It's your breath and our lungs. It's God's breath that he's given us. And the man became a living being. We've got pretty clever as humans, but it's still only God that can bring life into being. So if God is the giver of life, He's also the only one, I believe, and we believe, that can take life. To murder is to take away someone's life. We simply don't have the authority to do that. We believe that life at every stage of life is sacred to God. And murder is defined as the unlawful, unjust, premeditated killing of one human being by another. And And the people of the day, they understood that when they challenged Jesus on this. But then Jesus comes and he takes the topic of murder and he lifts it to another level. He quotes the Ten Commandments saying, you've heard it said you shall not murder because those who do are subject to judgment. But then he goes on to speak to anyone who is angry with a brother or a sister is also subject to judgment. And at the core of Jesus' words again is the value of life. Every time I get angry with another human being, I am speaking against the life that God has given them. Now, I don't know if anyone's recently been taken to court on charges of calling somebody racha or speaking racha, because that's what it says in the scripture. No no one recently been taken into court? No? Now, the phrase there, racha, in Jesus' time meant empty-headed or full. Now, if you were to take a stronger tone of that criticism or that, that, um, that complaint or or that that, uh, rebuke, it would be to say, I wish you were never born, or better that you were dead. Maybe we've said that. Maybe we've spoken that over someone else. And Jesus was actually speaking directly into the hearts of the men who were so angry with him. Those that one day would condemn him to die. Now, they didn't put the nails into his hands, his wrists and his feet. They didn't put the spear into his side, but it was their anger that condemned him to death. So today I want to ask us all, do we have an anger problem? Anyone ever been angry before with somebody else? Can I get a show of hands? 
and feed all the toes. Come on, how many, how, how many people got angry this morning just in the church? <laughs> Come on, every single day we're dealing, we're wrestling with this thing called anger that can jump up on us and we say we'll never do it again, but the next day we're there again, right? That's the reality of it. I love what the philosopher Aristotle once said. Anyone can be angry. That is easy. Anyone agree with that? It's easy to get angry. How about this? But to be angry with the right person, to the right degree, at the right time, for the right purpose, and in the right way, that's not easy. How many people have maybe got most of the right parts, but you got one bit wrong? The right way, the right tone. If we're all honest, many of us don't deal with anger very well. When it comes to anger, we can... There's lots of different ways we respond, but if I, if I can condense it into two main ways, we, we either blow up or we bottle up. See, we, we blow up. Those are the ones that, any blow ups? So when you get angry, man, it just comes out. It's like, it's just like all out. The great thing with the blow up is you know what they're thinking, right? You're, you're not left guessing, right? Right out it comes, and it can come out as rage, and with it comes a lot of shrapnel and potentially a lot of words that we wish we hadn't have spoken, right? The bottle up, we, we're asked, is everything okay? I'm fine. Ooh, that's about the most dangerous thing you could ever hear from your spouse, right? I'm fine. I'm fine. Ooh, okay. You know you're in trouble. The trouble with the bottle up, where we don't say what we're really feeling is the anger still leaks out. It leaks out in unforgiveness. It leaks out in bitterness. It leaks out in even manipulation. It's like, because you've done that to me, I will withhold this from you. And so we can find ourselves bottling up, but sadly, even the bottle up eventually comes up, comes out as a blow up. So are either, the, are either of these right? I don't know. Which one's better than the other? Or do we have to take anger and do something with the anger that we feel within us and submit and surrender that to God? That's the challenge. That's what we're going to look at today. So how do we deal with anger in our hearts? How do I deal with anger in my heart? Because I'm standing up here and I get angry more often than I'd like. I get upset. I I let words come out of my mouth that that are not words that are going to build life. They're going to speak death over somebody else. So how do we deal with anger? The first thought this morning is we need to acknowledge our anger and pause. I've never, ever solved a problem when I'm angry. I've never added value or made the situation better when I responded out of anger. Now, some of you might have, but for me, it's never gone well for me when I respond when I'm angry. I've shared before, there are times where I've gone into conversations and I had to have a difficult conversation with someone. You know, not sure what the outcome is going to be and I went in angry. I went upset with this person. I was carrying it in my heart and in my spirit. And even if I said the right thing, even if I was right in the message that I was delivering, I was so wrong in the tone. And the spirit in which I communicated that just clashed and anger met anger met anger And everything that I tried to achieve out of that conversation fell to the ground because I was angry. We've got to give ourselves space. We've got to acknowledge that we're angry. Sometimes we've actually got to, you know, and my my encouragement for all of us is in a peaceful moment, 
have the conversation about what will happen when you're angry. So if you find yourself getting angry with others, maybe it is your your kids, it, it might be with your spouse, it could be with a friend or workmate. Have the conversation not when you're angry, but when you're not angry, go, Man, I just want to acknowledge that, man, I, I just get, I get angry at times. I, I fire up. Can you help me when I fire up in those moments? Can we, can we come to an agreement how we're going to process that? Because in the heat of the moment, I don't have what it takes, right? So have that conversation now. Have that conversation that says, when I get angry, I may need to remove myself from the situation, take myself out of the room and go to another room so that I can cool down so we can properly address it. And when I do that, please don't follow me and carry on the conversation. Oh, a bit of laughter. Is that that one hidden home, is it? But I haven't finished telling you off yet. Sometimes we just need to take a couple of deep breaths, ask help from Jesus, and then come back and process it again. Never, ever respond to an angry email with another angry one. There's a bit of advice Save you a lot of horrible moments. Angry email comes in. This is your reply, please. You can take this. This is this is this will be gold for all of your relationships. Hey, thanks for your email. Sounds like we might need to catch up. When's a good time? Mike. Try that one. Promise you that will go better for you than the email that you are concocting and that you hit send. <laughs> I've seen a few of them. They did not go well. If you truly want to give life to others, see our relationships flourish. We need to acknowledge the anger. We need to pause. You know, James 1, 19 to 20 says, Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Gosh, that's tough to hear. My anger, if it's flesh, if it's my soulish response, it will never produce the righteousness of God. There is a righteous anger, but I cannot tell you, it's probably less often than we think it is. More often than not, the anger that comes out of us is probably a fleshly anger. We've got to submit that one to God. Anger in itself isn't wrong. In the book of Proverbs, we read of three reasons, at least three reasons why we get angry. There's injustice, Injustice causes us to be angry. That's good. It's good to be angry. It's good to be stirred when we see something happening to somebody else and we should step up and we should do something about that. That's good. But then there's humiliation, frustration. When we get angry in those moments, we're not going to build up somebody else. We're not going to bring life to that situation. Paul says in Ephesians 4.26, in your anger, He didn't say don't be angry. He says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. Husbands and wives, make a decision. Parents and kids, make a decision that you won't go to bed at night still angry with one another. Amy and I, we've had this for a long time. We call it the 10 o'clock rule. We've never solved a problem angry after 10 o'clock at night. So at any stage when we're in one of those conversations, and I know you'll find it hard to believe, but we have those where we are frustrated and angry and we don't like what's happening and, and I've done something and she's done, mostly it's me doing something and, we, and we're getting angry with each other. And in that moment, we have to make a decision because I'm tired, she's tired. What we really need is sleep because that will help reset the anger. 
So we make a decision. We say, we're going to park this, which means that we will talk about it, but just not right now. Sometimes we have to ask for forgiveness for the way we've treated one another. Maybe pray, commit it to God, put our head on the pillow, get some sleep and wake up in the morning and give ourselves some space and time to actually process that. It works. Believe me, it works. And when we go the other way, we regret it. Mike Griffiths in our panel last week spoke about how there's a process that our minds go through before sin is committed. He was talking about the area of lust, that it starts with a look and then it becomes a thought. See, we can see something and we, we can go, you know, we're, we're fascinated by it. And that, that moment of fascination is not sin, that's simply temptation. But I've got about one to two seconds before I go, I'm bouncing my thoughts, I'm bouncing my eyes, I'm taking my focus off what I see there so that it doesn't become a thought that becomes intent, that becomes action. I think that's the same with anger. I think a moment happens. Anyone been cut off when they're driving? This seems to be the one that gets most people. I used to get so frustrated and I would, I would get in behind and I, I was never going to chase someone down and hit them, but I was angry. So you took my space and it was dangerous. And I'm driving in behind you like this and I'm getting, my day is being ruined by somebody who cut me off. So I, ha- I realized I had to change this anger problem that I had within me. So I've changed it now. When someone cuts me off, my initial thought is, I don't like the fact that you did that to me. But I respond very quickly with a gesture that says, you can have my space. And then I pray. Yeah, I know there's some other gestures that uh, others want to bring up. So I'm changing my gesture, which is, you're welcome. Have my space. And as long as you're driving in front of me, I'm going to pray for you and bless you. And then my day doesn't get ruined. And maybe, just maybe, the conviction of the Holy Spirit falls upon that person and they repent and come to Jesus. Who knows? Second thing we need to do is we need to humble ourselves. Oh, you're not going to go there, are you, Mike? Yep. We've got to humble ourselves. When we're in that heated moment, we have to humble ourselves. Part of humbling ourselves is actually having a healthy self-respect. I think a lot of anger takes place because we don't truly respect ourselves, let alone the person that we're having this problem with. See, self-respect means that I can humble myself and admit I'm wrong and I don't lose out of that. My reputation doesn't go. I don't lose any ground on somebody else or feel like my status changes. When I've got a healthy self-respect, I can be wrong and that's the great thing. That's the right thing. The problem is sometimes we think so little of ourselves So we assign blame to ourselves. It must be my fault. The reason we're angry with each other, it must be my fault. The problem is we also can find us, we can think too highly of ourselves, the opposite, and go, well, clearly it's not my fault, it must be yours. And this all comes down to this healthy self-respect, knowing who we are in God, that when we make a mistake, we just humble ourselves and make things right. Can I tell you, I have never, ever regretted a moment where I went low, in a moment where I humbled myself and sought to make things right with somebody. I've never, ever regretted that moment. I've never regretted a time where I acknowledged that I was wrong and I took responsibility for my part of that conversation. Never, ever regretted it. 
I have, however, regretted the times I went in to win the argument, to win the conversation. And I put in a good case. And I lost the friendship. My relationship was damaged and broken. Those are the moments I regret. How about you? Let's be reminded again from Philippians 2. My, my, my Bible's got a couple of extra words written in it. It says, don't be selfish, Mike. Don't try to impress others, Mike. Be humble, Mike. You can insert your own name in there if that's helpful for you. Someone in the previous service, was his name was Mike as well, so that was convenient. <laughs> Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. We need to humble ourselves. Acknowledge your anger and pause. We need to humble ourselves. And lastly, as the team come this morning, we need to choose love and forgive. We need to choose love and forgive. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-7 talks about love. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, but it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Imagine if when the truth wins out, I find myself having to admit I'm wrong. Would we rejoice in that truth? There's a thought, isn't it? Would I rejoice if it's found out that I'm in the wrong? Because that's what it says. Rejoice in the truth. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful and endures through every circumstance. This passage tells me I don't get to hold on to my anger forever. Some of us, we want to hold on so tightly to the anger we feel. It actually kind of satisfies us, almost like an anesthetic. Numbs the pain that we're feeling. That anger is almost like this thing that will just satisfy says, would you let that go? One version says, tear up the scorecard. Come on, if we're keeping score in our relationships with one another, of who's right and who's wrong, then we miss out. Steve Green, our senior pastor, as he shared in our relationship panel, he says, if you're coming out of a conversation with the one you love and you're wondering who was right and who was wrong, then you're probably both lost if that's the desire. I've seen a lot of people over the last couple of years standing with different positions around the whole vaccine and the mandates and everything like that. It's been so hard, so hard to walk and navigate just as a human being, let alone a leader. I've had big conversations, tough conversations fighting for something they believe in so strongly. Let me ask you a question. Is it possible for us to stand on the other side of an opinion and still love someone? I believe it is. I truly believe it is. Why? Because I've walked it out. Dear friend of mine, stand very different on different sides of, of an opinion. I won't even say what it is. But in this, we've had conversations and we've, we've compared and we've come to the agreement that we don't agree in that particular area. However, 
He's my mate. He's my friend. He's my brother. There's an accountability that we have towards each other and we, we truly love each other. And our relationship has grown stronger and stronger over the last two years. Why? And it's only because of the love that God has for us and when we choose to love with that love to each other. What the enemy was wanting to do to tear us apart has actually just brought us together stronger and stronger. Our relationship, our friendship, building the church together has flourished in the season because we've chosen love. Love doesn't always have to find agreement. Sometimes we might not even know whether we are right or wrong. But love will truly win over. But then it gets tough when we know we've been wronged. When we have been wronged. When someone's hurt us. Someone's abused us. Someone's rejected us. What do we do then? How, how do we process that pain that we're feeling? That anger that, it actually seems right that we should be angry in those spaces because of what that person did to us. Romans 12, 19 says, Dear friends, never avenge yourself. Leave that for God, for He has said He will repay those who deserve it. Don't take the law into your own hands. When we've been wronged, when we've been hurt, when we've been abused, we have to engage in the hardest decision a human has to make. We have to forgive. We can only forgive because we're being forgiven. We can only forgive with the forgiveness that God gives us. Ephesians 4.32, instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. In a moment, we're going to take communion together. We're going to share a moment. Hopefully you receive that. If you didn't receive communion and you'd like to take it, please just raise your hand. Our, our team will just walk down the aisle and make sure you got it. Just, just put it up nice and high if you'd like to take communion and you don't have that. If you'd like to prepare yourself for that. I just wonder whether this is a moment where we need to sit with the person beside us and have a conversation around anger and where our hearts have been. Maybe there's even someone in this room that we need to get up out of our seats and go and have a conversation. Believe that God is creating this holy moment for us to engage in the area of forgiveness and love. But maybe you're here today you're saying, well, I don't even know where to start, Mike, because I've never truly understood God's love. I've never truly committed my life to Him. Well, I want to give you an opportunity today because God loves you so much. He desires relationship with you, friendship with you. And yet sin is the thing that separates us. Sin is what causes us to get angry. Sin is what produces the murder in our hearts. God in his infinite wisdom and his grace and his mercy he said there is a way for us to be right in relationship again so he gave Jesus and Jesus willingly chose to go to the cross to die a death he didn't deserve so that we could be forgiven and this morning every single one of us have the opportunity to respond to that invitation of grace and mercy I want to pray a prayer right now 
and invite you to pray this prayer with me. Committing your life to God, surrendering your life to God, confessing your sin to God, receiving His gift of grace and forgiveness today. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, you pray this prayer with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your love for me. Thank you that you died on the cross to forgive my sins, to pay a debt that I couldn't pay. I turn from my old way of living and ask you to forgive me. Thank you for your grace, your mercy, and your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. Before we take communion this morning, I want to close with one final passage. Proverbs 18, 21. It says, The tongue has the power of life and death. Those who love it will eat its fruit. We've got a moment right now to speak some life over somebody. If you're courageous enough, if you take communion with someone this morning, pray for them, speak life over them, that we would be a people who would value life so much that the words that we speak would build up rather than tear down. So please take communion in your own time. If you need to get up and adjust and go and see somebody, please do that. And then Sarah's going to invite us to stand as we sing another song. God bless. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Center podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancenter.org.nz.